Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The greatest journey that a human being can partake in on this dunya. A journey that we make in this life but in preparation for the next life. We are all born with the debt of having to make Hajj. In other words, it's something that belongs to Allah from us. Should we try another mic? What about this one? Yeah, but then I feel like an airline pilot. Could you fold away your table trays and put your seats in an upright position? <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it, eh? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we'll be landing in Jeddah shortly. <laughs> ya Allah. Who's been to Makkah and Medina? Can I have a show of hands? Could be for Umrah. Do you feel strange when you go to Makkah? Like out of place? Yeah. Anybody else that's been to Makkah? Do you feel out of place? You feel different? You feel alien? Or do you feel at home? Why? Because Makkah daru kulli mu'min. Makkah is the home of the soul. We've all been there, even if you haven't been there. We've all been there, even if you haven't been there. Or let me put it this way, if you can't remember being there. Because once upon a time, Shamil, just turn it down a little bit. Once upon a time, it's a little bit too loud. When our mother and our father Adam and Hawa السلام, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them onto this earth and they were lost in the wilderness and they found each other where? They found each other on, on Arafah. And Arafah means to know, Arafah means to acknowledge. Because it was on Arafah where they acknowledged their mistake, their sin, that they had eaten from the forbidden fruit, and they made tawbah, they repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted their repentance. And subsequent to that event, or shortly thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then unpacked mankind from the back of our father. 
Why I say unpacked? Because in the ayah, in the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ أَخَذَ رَبُّكَ مِن بَنِي آدَمْ مِن ظُهُورِهِمْ Not مِن آدَمْ مِن بَنِي آدَمْ مِن ظُهُورِهِمْ And call to mind when your Lord took from the backs of Adam their progeny. وَأَشْهَدُهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ And he made them witnesses against themselves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala impact the entire mankind. In the precinct of Arafah, the entire assembly of Bani Adam, of the children of Adam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked them, أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ Am I not your Lord? قَالُوا بَلَا شَهِدَنَا they all said, Nay, certainly you are, O oh Allah. You are our Lord. We worship none but thee. Allah says at the end of the verse, أَن تَقُولُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّا كُنَّا عَنْ هَذَا غَافِلِينَ Lest they should say on the day of judgment, we were unaware of this. This is in the Quran. So nobody has an excuse to say I wasn't there. And this is the fitrah. This is the inherent disposition that each human being is born with. That arwah in the world of the souls, once upon a time we were all believers. Each and every single one of us. The Arab of us and the Turk of us. The black of us and the white of us. The Malay of us and the Indian of us. Each and every single one. Even George Bush. في عالم الأرواح. Can you imagine that? Even George Bush was a believer in the world of the souls. And you never know. Nobody's too bad to become good and nobody's too good to become bad. قال الله لموسى يا يا موسى لا لا تأمن مكر حتى ترى نفسك في الجنة وفي الجنة أصاب آدم ما أصاب فلا تأمن مكر أبدا. Oh Musa, never be sure of my plan for you until you see yourself in Jannah and remember what happened to Adam in Jannah. So never be too sure of my plan for you. As long as somebody's alive, Allah, you can't judge them. You cannot say where they are going to. Even less do we know of where we are going to. But the reality is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then brings us into this world to test us, to try us, to see if that covenant that we took with Allah in the world of the souls, are we going to live up to it? in the life of this world. Are we going to live up to that covenant? And are we going to renew that covenant? And that is why we are going back to Arafah. And we are going back to Arafah in preparation for our meeting with Allah on the day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. We are going back to Arafah also like Nabi Adam and Hawa alayhim as for i'tiraf, arafa, i'tiraf, i'taraf, we are going there to acknowledge our sins. 
We are going there to acknowledge our mistakes. We are going there to humble ourselves in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In preparation for the day when Allah removes us from this world. That's why, and inshallah next week, and the week thereafter, we're going to be speaking about maintaining your hajj and umrah. Because Arafah is going to be the first day of the rest of your lives. It cannot be the same again, insha'Allah. وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدًا إِلَّا أَيَّ شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيتَ As the brother so beautifully said now, insha'Allah. Allah SWT says in the Holy Quran, and never ever say I'm going to do something tomorrow, unless you say, as Allah فَخَنْ إِذَا Allah رَاد As the Syrians would say, Allah help our Syrian brothers and sisters, Amin. And the Muslims, wherever they might be in the world, in Yemen, in Libya, in Egypt, Amin, Ya Rab. So this Hajj is not just about Mufin Bik and Starabakas and Hamburger King and Sifan Ab and the Zamzam Towers and the bright lights. And the ziyarat places and the interesting history lessons. Yes, that is going to be there. And more. You see the construction in Makkah at the moment. Allah alone knows what Makkah is going to look like in the next 10 or 15 years. Or how many hujjaj it is going to be able to accommodate, inshallah, in the next 10 or 15 years. But Makkah remains Makkah. Ummul Qura, the mother of all cities. We always thought Cape Town was the mother city. The only reason why they call Cape Town the mother city is because it takes at least nine months to get anything done in Cape Town. <laughs> That's just a joke. <laughs> but Makkah is the real Ummul Qura. It is the center of the world and it is the home of the soul. And that is why I can only speak for myself and I'm sure for those of you that have been there and inshallah once you have been there you will agree with me that when you go there you feel like you are going home. It is a journey to Allah in this life in preparation for our journey to Allah in the hereafter. Hajj means qazd. Hajj, the word Hajj in the Arabic language means Qazd. And Qazd means the goal. So Hajj means the goal. What goal? What is the goal? Or who is the goal? The goal is Allah. Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. Labbaik la sharika laka labbaik. Here I am, O oh Allah, here I am. You've called me, I'm here. Labbaik Allah. Here I am, O oh Allah. You have no partner. In other words, I'm not making this journey for anyone or for anything except you. This is very important. One of the first things I learned as a young revert to Islam 
approximately 24, 25 years ago. What the Muslims of Cape Town, the mother sleepy city taught me. Mark your niyat, steak. I mean, two weeks before Ramadan, I embraced Islam. It was freak bang. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. I'd never fasted a day in my life before. What did the Muslims of Cape Town tell me? Mark your niyat, steak. And wallahi, you know, we can joke about it. But when you sit in the company of the old people, and they will tell you how the people went for hajj in those days, there was no Mulvin Pick or Radisson or um, Hilton or Intercontinental to look forward to. There was no Airbus 380. Sorry, Airbus 380 or Boeing 787, you know, with a chicken or beef and fish and an in-flight movie to watch. No. All they had was that niya, that strong intention. And in those days, the community wasn't a very affluent community. So the people had to save up. Not just months, but years. They saved up. You know, and, and they had something. In fact, they had bags of it. That's what they took with them. A strong intention, an intention purely for the sake of Allah, and bags and bags of sabr, of patience and perseverance. I believe the names are out now, the list is out of who's been invited and who hasn't. If you're not on that list, don't, don't be sad. But when you turn to Allah, be specific. If you haven't been chosen for this year, be specific to Allah when you want to be chosen. And inshallah you'll be chosen. And if not, then Allah knows why. عَجَبًا mu'min. عَجَبًا mu'min. أَمْرُهُ كُلُّهُ خَيْرٌ The Prophet says, it is amazing the condition of the believer. His entire matter is good. إِنْ أَصَابُهُ خَيْرًا شَكَرٌ فَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُ If something good happens to him, Ya Allah, shukr, Ya Allah, Alhamdulillah. He is grateful and it is good for him. وَإِنْ أَصَابُهُ شَرٌ And if something bad befalls him, or even if something happens whereby he doesn't get what he wants, what does he do? Sabar. Fakana khayral lahu. He perseveres, and then it is also good for him. So a, a true believer can never lose. A true believer can never lose. And that is something that we are all striving for. Struggling, hard, making effort, but we are all striving for that daraja of nafsul mutma'inna. Radiyatan Mardiya. Radiyatan Pleased with whatever Allah puts out You've invited me? Alhamdulillah You haven't invited me? Alhamdulillah I'll wait La ta'ajalanna Falaysa rizqu bil'ajali Ar-rizqu maktubun 
في اللوح مع الأجل فلو صبرنا لكان الرزق يطلبنا ولكن خلق الإنسان من عجلي The poet says don't be hasty because sustenance doesn't come with haste Sustenance is written on the preserved tablet along with your appointed time of death so if we just had to persevere if we just had to wait be patient and persevere then our sustenance would actually come looking for us it will come and seek us out but mankind has been created with with haste we're always we're very hasty you know we want instant coffee instant microwave instant uh drink tang whatever the case might be everything must be instant nowadays people don't uh, even you know some people don't even cook anymore they buy in a parman you know thai green curry or you know black pepper sauce everything must be instant with hajj there are no shortcuts. Either you've been invited or you haven't been invited. And if you haven't been invited, don't think that the one who has been invited is more loved by Allah. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives opportunity to those that He has decreed for them that opportunity based on their need for that opportunity. And even the Hajj itself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will arrange that Hajj for you also based on your needs. I'm not talking about couple room or sharing. I'm not talking about buffet or a la carte. I'm not talking about five star or four star. I'm talking about every single living, breathing, feeling, emotional, thinking moment of your hajj is written down for you in a divine itinerary. If we have been people of little patience at home, be guaranteed Allah is going to test your patience in Makkah and Medina. If we've been people of little tolerance, be guaranteed Allah is going to test our tolerance in Makkah and Medina. If we've been people of whatever shortcoming it might be, and there's an endless list of spiritual vices that plague the hearts of the Muslim community today, know that Allah is going to test us with those traits in Makkah and in Medina. And if you're aware of this, then you will embrace it as it's happening to you. As you're waiting in that queue by the airport. Or waiting three hours maybe for your luggage in Jeddah. You know? Or getting a, a not-so-nice bus from Jeddah to Medina. Or even, Allah forbid, the bus gets stuck. I remember in 2004, I traveled with a group of brothers from Nairobi 
Our intention was to go to Sudan and then to take the ferry across to Jeddah. They were coming all the way from Durban. But I was still teaching at the time. So they went ahead and I met them in Nairobi. And we traveled together through the Kaisu Desert. We drove as far as Isiolo. And then literally we got to a place in the road where the road disappeared. Gone. In fact, I got out of the car and I looked and the road was like, oh, there it is. Like three meters. Three meters. Just caved in. So we had to go off into the bush and then we come back onto the road. And go off into the bush again and come back onto the road again. Until our top gasket, or not ours, but the combi's top gasket blew. And we got stuck in the desert. And then we waited about three or four hours and then eventually this little Land Rover 1963 short wheelbase Land Rover towed us and the combi and our fully laden trailer up a steep hill to a mountain top village called Marsabit when you go to the mountain top village and we were on Hajj I mean Hajj begins from, from home we were on Hajj and when you go to this mountain top village the people came, they showed us to the masjid. We were staying in the masjid. Um, are you going to ask me, was it a five-star or four-star masjid? I don't know. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. But subhanallah, what a welcome. They're very hospitable. But they informed us that there's no water in the village. The water mains had burst. There was a pipe coming from up in the mountain where the dam was and that had burst and there was no water in the village and I can remember taking wudu in the wudu khana it, I don't know how long I sat there for I sat there for ages because I was waiting for a drop and I got one drop and I washed my face with that drop and then I waited for another drop and I washed my right arm with that drop and I waited for another drop and eventually alhamdulillah I completed my wudu and that's why I can tell you today you can, we can make wudu with half a cup of water. We can. But ya Allah, do we waste? And Allah does not love those who waste. Let's just be mindful of that next time we take wudu. Uh, we stayed in this mountaintop village for about a week. Eventually we fixed the combi and uh, off we went. And the top gasket blew again. And then we were stuck out in the desert. We were all sitting with mosquito nets over us because the tetsi flies were trying to bite us. And uh, it was sweltering hot. And eventually somebody came along and we all bundled into this land cruiser. And off we went in the middle of the night uh, driving to Moyale on the Ethiopian border. Got to the Ethiopian border... Uh, it took us some time but eventually we, again we slept in the masjid we got our visas we went into Ethiopia and off we went into the Ethiopian highlands I was sitting in the in the what do you call it I know in Afrikaans it sounds better the tikatabak no? in English they say the dog box okay? I was sitting at the back and I was covered in ants don't ask me why I was just but I, you know eventually I fell asleep and I woke up to people screaming, but it, it sounded like, remember we're in the highlands, we're in the Ethiopian highlands, 
And it sounded like, you know, when, 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 when you hear a voice that is coming from a high place to a low place, I heard this like, oh, and I thought we had left the road. And that we were literally airborne. And at Khalas, I'm going to say, Makali Mashahada now. But you know what happens in a time like it? Everything slows down. And then all of a sudden, there was an immense crash. And I realized that we had just hit two donkeys at 100 kilometers per hour. The imam from Moyale, we were using his car. He said, drive on, because he was scared that the people might retaliate because we had killed or injured two of their donkeys. Then he sent the elders from his village, and they made peace, and I think the blood money was like $100 a donkey. But we made it safely to Addis Ababa, and then we flew, some of the brothers carried on to Sudan, and myself and three of the other brothers, we flew to, uh, to Jeddah. We got to Jeddah because we were not attached with any group. We were put together, a whole lot of different foreigners or foreign nationals. We were from places like Togo and, you know, different small little islands and countries that have got a very small population of Muslims. We were all thrown together on the small little coaster. You know what's a coaster? A coaster is like a, a mini version of a, of a bus. It's not as small as a taxi, but it's not as big as a, a normal bus. And I can remember after everything that we had been through, from Nairobi to Addis Ababa, you know, we were quite comfortable. Other people were complaining, and the aircon wasn't working properly, and uh, some of the windows couldn't even close. And then there was a driver that was literally, it sounded like he was, you know, or looked like he was driving a Formula One car. And eventually, he literally blew this engine. And some of the Khujaj blew their engines with him. And people were losing their tempers and becoming angry. And, and I can remember the three of us sitting there. And we were so, alhamdulillah, we were so calm for the simple reason that of what we had just experienced, this was nothing. And when we got to Medina, because we were on our way to Medina, when we got to Medina, in fact it was... It was the 20, the night before Boxing Day. Because I remember when we switched on the news the next day, the tsunami had hit in, uh, in the Indian Ocean. And we, they took us, we hooked up with this group called Manjaras, and they took us to the intercontinental, you know at the back of the Haram of Medina? Dar al-Taqwa it is called. When you go to Medina... Just go to the Bab al-Majidi, which is the back door of the haram, and you will see the Dar al-Taqwa. And they took us for breakfast. Ah, salam. We were thought we were in Jannah. <laughs> you know, I still say to my wife that I don't think I've ever seen a buffet like I saw at, at Dar al-Taqwa that specific morning. But it was basically because we had persevered through this difficult journey, not being distracted by the bling-bling of all the extravagance and luxury of modern-day travel. And here we were now, alhamdulillah, in the city of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.
On that journey, I realized something. That in the old days, even before air travel, when people used to go on Hajj by boat and travel for six months, Hajj was actually easier. Hajj has become more difficult. But you look at me and say, but no, uh, Brother Riyadh, you got it wrong. What are you talking about? But what is Hajj? Let's go back to the definition. Hajj means the goal. So in other words, the people in those days, because there were less distractions, they achieved the goal much easier. They achieved the goal of removing that attachment that their hearts had with the material world. It was easy. By default, they had to. I mean, being away from home for so long, traveling by sea for six months, living with Sayyid Alawi and Sayyid Maliki and Sayyid Shaf in Beit Arabis, in simple dwellings, sleeping on the floor, eating simple food. There was nothing to distract them. And so they achieved the goal of humbling themselves. They achieved the goal of mixing with their brothers and sisters in Islam. Brother to brother, sister to sister. Don't get any funny ideas. <laughs> and they achieved all the benefits of the Hajj with such ease. Why I say with such ease? By default of the difficulty of the journey. You see, we might have it in our minds that a good journey, a beneficial journey, is a journey without mashaqqa. What's mashaqqa? Mashaqqa means difficulties, struggle and strife. That is a good journey. But then why would Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib say, Uhibbu thalathatan ya Rasulullah. Uhibbu ikram al-dayf wa sawma ramadana fi al-sayf wa qitali mushrikina bi al-sayf. He said, I love three things, O Messenger of Allah. I love to honor my guest. I love to fast Ramadan in the heat of the summer. We are all looking forward to Ramadan this year, aren't we? It's going to be in the middle of winter. Short days. I mean, when I was living in Syria, I think we broke fast at half past four in the afternoon. It was so easy. You hardly even felt it. Does that mean it's better for you? This is the mindset that we need, as hujjaj, need to have when we go on this journey. Difficulty doesn't mean bad. A little bit of struggle, a little bit of difficulty. Yes, whatever your agents promise you, they must. Al Muslimuna ala shurutim. Al Muslimuna ala shurutim. Muslims are according to their conditions of contract. If you're going to contract with another Muslim or with anybody for that matter. But a Muslim being governed by the Holy Quran and the Sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu they must fulfill that contract with you. But over and above that, don't spoil your Hajj by arguing over silly things, things that are not going to change the spiritual benefit of your Hajj. That must be your main goal. I want to become a better Muslim. I want to be a better human being once I have completed this journey. 
I want to have better character. I want to be more tolerant. I want to have more empathy for my fellow man. I want to be a humble person. I'm going to be quite frank with you. If we don't attain that, if we don't at least attain humility on this journey and remove pride from our hearts, then we've attained nothing. If we go arrogant and we come back arrogant, we might have fulfilled the obligation. I'm not saying that your hajj hasn't been accepted. We might have fulfilled the obligation, but we haven't benefited from it. Why do we make salah? Why do we pay zakah? Why do we fast? Why do we go on hajj? Allah doesn't need our worship. Ya nas, antumul Allah, O mankind, you are all in need of Allah. And Allah is free of want. The most praised. Allah doesn't need our worship. So why are we worshipping Allah? We're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because He is most worthy of being worshipped. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His infinite wisdom, because He doesn't make it optional, He makes it obligatory. وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَةِ لِدُلُوكِ الشَّمْسِ إِلَىٰ غَسَقِ اللَّيْلِ وَقُرْآنِ الْفَجْرِ إِنَّ قُرْآنِ الْفَجْرِ كَانَ مَشْهُودًا And establish the prayer with the declining of the sun, Salat al-Dhuhr. إِلَىٰ غَسَقِ اللَّيْلِ Until the coming of the night. Asr, Maghrib, Isha. وَقُرْآنِ الْفَجْرِ And the reading of Fajr Salah. In the Quran al-Fajr indeed the reading of Fajr Salah is witnessed by the angels of Allah. Aqim al-Salah. It's made obligatory. Because if it was made optional, how many of us would, would pray? And pay the zakah. Ya ayyuhaladhina amanu kutiba alaykum musiyam. Fasting has been prescribed for you. Complete the Hajj and the Umrah for Allah. Earlier on I said, we were born with this debt. This Hajj, this pilgrimage, belongs to Allah. We must just feel so honored when He takes us on it. And belonging to Allah is the pilgrimage of, of the house. From who? From mankind. وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ And belonging to Allah from mankind is the pilgrimage of the house. It belongs to Allah. We owe it to Him. Why has He made it obligatory? Because He wants us to perform it so we can benefit from it. And how do we benefit? By improving our character. قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ وسلم, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ It's as if he is saying, مَا بُعِثْتُ إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ It is as if he is saying, مَا بُعِثْتُ That I have not been sent. Except to perfect the model code of character. So I'm making salah every day, paying my zakah, fasting, going on hajj, but I'm still arrogant, I have no empathy for my fellow man. I gossip and backbite and carry stories. I cheat, defraud and even steal. I might have fulfilled the obligation of salah, 
zakah, siyam, and hajj, but I haven't benefited from it. This is what we must keep in our hearts. The seat of the conscious of every believer, his or her heart. And that's why the niyyah, the intention is so important. Ya Allah, nawaitu al-hajjah. Not just, you know, okay, bachari kharaf, ik bacha, and as I get klaga bacha, dan kan ik bismillah. Recite it with the tajweed, recite it correctly with the right makharij, the right pronunciation. But most importantly, remember that the niyyah is not on your tongue. The niyyah is in the heart. Haqiqatun hukmun mahallun wazaman. Kayfiyatun shartun wa maqsudun hasan. The niyyah has got seven ingredients. The reality of the niyyah. The reality of the niyyah is qasdu shay muqtarinan bifa'lihi is the intention of doing something directly attached to the action of doing it. That is why when do we make the niyyah for hajj? Or let's say even the umrah coming from Medina. Most of you will go to Medina and you will make the umrah to Makkah. And you will say, Nawaitu al-umrata wa ahramtu laha lillahi ta'ala. And on the day of Tarwiyah, the eighth day of Dhul-Hijjah, you will make the niyyah for hajj in Makkah. Nawaitu al-hajjah wa ahramtu bihi lillahi ta'ala. I intend the hajj. But when you do that, when you say those words, make sure the niyyah is coming from your heart. Haqiqatun hukmun mahallun. The hukum is wajib. You have to make your niyyah. You have to, in the Shafi madhab, you have to make your niyyah. Mahallun, the place of the niyyah, where is it? The heart. Let it come from your heart that, Ya Allah, I am making this hajj for your sake and your sake alone so that I can become a better Muslim. That I can have my sins forgiven and that I can return back home a changed person. A person who has turned over a new leaf. A person that has been humbled by his ex- or her experiences. And if you make that intention, it will happen inshallah. I am to my servant as he or she thinks of me. If you believe with yaqeen in the power and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you are going to have the best possible hajj, then you will have the most best Possible hajj bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Let it come from your heart. Let the intention be there. That I don't just want this to be a sightseeing tour. Or just to go through the rituals. Do we want to be like the Yahud? Why was Nabi Isa sent to Bani Israel? Why was Jesus Christ sent to the children of Israel? To the Jews? Did he bring new legislation? No. He said, I have not been sent except unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were lost. How were they lost? They were stuck in something called Jewish formalism. 
Meaning they were going through the rituals. They were going to the temple. They were praying. And then afterwards, they were throwing dice and gambling and cheating and defrauding. So there was a disconnect between their ibadah and their behavior. There was a disconnect between their worship and their conduct and their character. And that is what is happening to the Ummah of Muhammad But we can change it. We can change it. We can change it with a good niyyah. And inshallah ta'ala we can change it by looking for those lessons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for us on this journey. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala huwa a'dalul adilin. He is the most just of those who show justice. Allah is extremely fair. Allah gives everybody an opportunity for their hajj to be the best possible hajj. It's up to us to embrace it. To embrace those long hours that we have to wait and to embrace the, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a decline or a, what can you call it? A dissension in the so-called amenities that we enjoy on this journey. We start off, yes, five-star in Medina, buffet. Um, I see some familiar faces, so maybe it's a stale joke, I don't know. <laughs> but in the previous classes, I've always warned the students, when you come into the restaurant and you see the buffet, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-buffet. I seek refuge in thee, O oh Allah, from the buffet. Because the Prophet says, Ma mala ibn Adam Never ever has a person filled a vessel more detrimental to themselves than their stomachs. The Prophet said, He said, We are a people. We only eat when we are hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and when we eat, we never eat to our full. Except a niqab, ons eat for ons, bake for. <laughs> so please, you're going to go to the five star, you're going to have the buffet, just eat what is required for your taqawwa ala al-ibadah. That Allah might give you the strength to make ibadah. Don't fill your stomachs to the degree you want to go back to the room and sleep. Then you're going to come down to Makkah and maybe you're even going to get a five star in Makkah. But on the first day of Dhul Hijjah, depending on who you are traveling with, most probably you're going to go to Aziziyah. So you're going to go to from five star or four star. Aziziyah is going to be at best one star. One star. Maybe you had a nice couple room with an ensuite there at the Moven Pick or at the Raffles. Oh, uh, Dar Tawheed. Mm, mashallah, Dar Tawheed. So, Mataf. Smart. But when you get to Aziziyah, you're going to be quite a distance from the Haram. You're going to have no ensuite. And most of the Hujjaj are going to have to share. Five or six guys, five or six ladies in a room. It's, at least it's one star. Because when you get to Mina on the day of Tarwiyah, then there's going to be no stars. Because now you're going to be a hundred ladies and a hundred men in a tent. And not together, a hundred men in a tent and a hundred ladies in a tent. 
And uh, also depends whether you've got al-khidmat uh, al-idafiyya, special services, nice and close to the jamarat. Oh, Camp C over there. Can you see Camp C? You see it, it's there, but it's very far. It's very far. Also, no star. Maybe minus one. Minus one star, Camp C. How many? Two minutes? Yeah. Then from Mina, on the 9th of Dhul Hijjah, we are going to go to Arafah. Now this nice, comfy mattresses on Mina, but on Arafah there's no mattresses. So now we're going even, you know, we're going lower now. We're going lower. Okay, now we're, what's this, level? Level me gravel. Not yet, not yet. It's still a carpet. On Arafah there is still a carpet. And people are handing out juices and water and some people are getting food if they're lucky. Then when Arafah is finished, we're going to go to Muzdalifah. So maybe minus one or minus two star. We're going to go to Muzdalifah. Where are we going to get? A billion stars. Because now you don't even... At least you had a tent on Arafah and a tent on Mina. Muzdalifah, you're going to be out there in the open. And you're going to be sleeping on the ground. Amongst the people. You might even have to sleep next to a Durban. Or under a bridge. How many of us drive over a bridge and we don't even notice the Bechi sleeping under the bridge? We might have to assume the position, I'm not saying the state, but the position of the Bechi when we are on Muzdalifa. But it's nothing bad. This is the opportunity that Allah then gives us. When He brings us down to that level, to embrace who we really are. This is the secret of the Hajj. Allah takes us on this journey to introduce us to ourselves. And when we get to know ourselves and understand who we are, then we realize who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. When we realize that we are nothing but the humble, dependent, incompetent, incapable, Servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is when we embrace the truth that Allah is the almighty, independent, all-capable, all-knowing, all-powerful creator, cherisher, nourisher, sustainer, manager, controller, owner and ruler of everything that is in the heavens and on earth. So let us inshallah ta'ala, let's internalize that intention. That when we go on this journey, we are going to look for those signs we're going to look for those lessons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to put out there for us to embrace so we can improve our character. That we can come down off our pedestals. That we can humble ourselves in front of our Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in front of the creation. And then we would have attained the goal of hajj. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, grant for those who are going, that Allah grant them a hajj mabroor. And for those who are not going, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them to go, inshallah, ajilan, ghayru, آجل سونا ذن ليتا وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله شكرا جزيلا شيخ رياض we'll be back next week with uh, two more sessions and then the final week thereafter uh, we might have a break up on the last session with the shared snacks and those things healthy snacks inshallah not uh, buffet uh, what do you say uh, 
We can make the dua before the buffet. So we'll do doing the maintenance plan, the post Ramadan, sorry, post Hajj and Umrah plan. That'll be next week with Sheikh Riyad as well as Mala Mu'ath. We'll be finishing off the last few thick uh, sessions. If you have any questions, you are encouraged to please write your questions down or email it to us for Mu'ath um, in connection with the thick aspects of the course. Uh, we can ask the ladies to please leave first. Wish you a safe journey home. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shukran.